0: Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the people management platform for hospitality teams. With its intuitive drag and drop Rota planner and built in budgeting tools, Rotacloud users spend an average of 66% less time on staffing related admin, leaving them with more time to spend with their customers, train staff, or simply take a well earned break. Head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to explore Rotacloud's full range of tools and features and sign up for your 30 day free trial. Welcome to Hospitality Meets, with me Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is none other than Masterchef The Professional's 2022 champion, Nikita Pasakji. Coming up on today's show... Nikita describes Phil's dream scenario. Yeah, just eating and meeting people. Phil gets acquainted with the kitchen. What's this big metal thing with a stick? Oh, it's a pan! And we learn how close we were to a different outcome to MasterChef The Professionals 2022.
1: I had the application ready for weeks and then I pressed submit at 10pm before the deadline.
0: All that and so much more as we chat through Nikita's journey so far. I was lucky enough to meet Nikita earlier in the year at HRC and I can honestly say a nicer, more humble human you will not meet. There's so much more to Nikita than being the winner of MasterChef The of Professionals and there are some great lessons in here from her. A huge thank you to her for taking time out of her schedule to chat with me. One final thing before we get into it, and I know I go on about this, but if you can take two seconds to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, it really makes a huge difference. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets. Welcome to Nikita Pathakji.
1: Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Very well, thank you.
0: Good, good, good. Where where do we find you today?
1: I'm in Cornwall at the moment, actually, just on a little family break.
0: Nice. Well, I I suppose... For those who are not aware, I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point in the conversation, but obviously you were the most recent winner of Masterchef the Professionals. A huge congratulations on that. What an amazing journey that was. But uh, I'd imagine that the break is probably very, very welcome.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, uh, definitely. Last year was amazing, but um, my summer was so hectic. And this year is the same, but in a different way. And I get to choose my... My own time a bit more, so I'm definitely enjoying the uh, the bit of a break.
0: Excellent. Okay. Well, I mean, let's just get straight to it. Just tell the world who you are and what you're currently doing.
1: So, after winning last chef, there have been loads and loads of opportunities. And as I was a junior sous chef in my last position, I'm really enjoying doing loads of events and pop ups all around England um, and showcasing my food. And it's been an incredible incredible experience and uh it's so much more rewarding than i ever ever imagined being able to cook your own food for the first time yeah
0: brilliant well we'll we'll absolutely delve into that as we we go i'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning now of your life and career how did you get into hospitality in the first place
1: so i mean it was a complete u-turn from what anything in my family have ever done um what my initial plan was i was um i was in school doing a levels i was studying maths physics and chemistry Uh, and the plan was to go to university and study chemistry and i think it was about three months before my final exams and i i did like a small internal test and it went really badly so i had a little bit of a breakdown and then my sister texted me from her uni she was studying chemical engineering and she said I'd sent her some brownies and she was like, these are amazing. You're really good at this. Don't go to university because it's really hard. <laughs> do what you want to do. She just knew that I was, I was already struggling and I would struggle so much more at university because it's another big step up. And so I had a little cry and <laughs> um, I sat on my bed and I told my dad that I, 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 I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go and study chemistry. And I think he was relieved.
0: Absolutely. Really, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, these are sliding doors moments, aren't they? These these moments in your life whereby it could go one or two, one of two ways, really.
1: Absolutely, and I have such an academic family, but at the end of the day, they're they're ambitious. So once I said I didn't want to go to university, he was like, "Okay, great. I see that. I see you're not happy, but you now you need to make a decision. You need to. You can't just sort of not have a
0: goal. Drift. So what yeah. do you want to do? Yeah,
1: yeah, they wouldn't be happy with me sort of drifting. But um, what do you want to do? What do you love to do? And the answer's always been cooking or traveling. But it's easier to make a career out of cooking.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, <indeed>. um... <laughs> when you figured out the traveling element, just let me know how you do it because uh, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So uh, I was in a fortunate situation in that my mum lived in London, so I, I grew up in Derby with my dad. And uh, obviously, in Derby, the place to be for food was London. So I did my A levels. I finished them. You know, I had a backup plan, and then I moved to London and applied for an apprenticeship, and that was it.
0: Right, 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 right. And and where where did you land on the apprenticeship?
1: So I went to Westminster Kingsway College, um, yeah. and my first job was at the Langford Hotel, which was incredible um, and it start. was a great <laughs> it was really good and so i mean my first job though was making finger sandwiches so it wasn't really uh what i was expecting i was expecting to be you know in a kitchen in service but you know you have to start start at the bottom yeah. and i was yeah making making sandwiches day in day out four days a week one day at college but i was really learning what it is to be a chef there and i was so so keen to get at the time they had a michelin star restaurant in the hotel and so i was so keen to get there so what i would do is i'd rush through all of my jobs um and then i'd just go and hang out in the kitchen <laughs> right. basically annoy the other chefs until they'd just be like well you're here like do just to me or just do you're here So that <laughs> I mean, exactly i never left on time because i would rather just sort of hang out and watch what they were doing
0: yeah so it this- worked yeah, well, I mean, at at this point, was there already this kind of drive within you that you thought, right, that's, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm making finger sandwiches and, you know, that's, it's not, uh, I suppose, the, the highest skilled of all the chefing jobs, but it's no less important because obviously afternoon tea is an absolute institution in, in this country. But yeah, were were you beginning to, at this point, realise that actually... I really want to get into that proper fine dining environment.
1: Absolutely. It was always the goal. I knew I couldn't just walk straight into it. Actually, having been in hospitality now, I feel like I could have just walked straight into it. But being back then, I thought, you know, I have to work my way up a bit more. So but I so think that's I good would,
0: though, right? That's a good mentality to have. I think so. have.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And I did learn a lot from there. I mean it made me quick because I wanted to rush through my job so that I could but it didn't mean my standards could slip because it, everything was still being checked and it was being served out of the Michelin star restaurant so they had to be good sandwiches Yeah. and I would just pester my head chef every, every week or so like chef when can I, when can I uh, move on to the next section and he said when you mastered the art of sandwich making <laughs> <laughs> I was like what does that mean <laughs> But it worked eventually and, um, and I got moved into the main kitchen and then eventually I went upstairs to the Mission start. restaurant.
0: Right. Okay. So, yeah, well, describe the feeling of that then when, you, when they said, okay, you're ready now. Because this is, this is like a, a karate kid moment, isn't it? Sort of, you know, I've done the training, <laughs> now throw me in to the deep end.
1: I was just, I was just so happy. I think I, I knew I was ready and I could see through the, the once you've mastered the art into more of a we need you here because of staffing right. <laughs> sort of thing <laughs> I wasn't I was green but I wasn't stupid so I knew that you know there was a little bit of uh you kind of just need to have you here until a point but it was yeah I was I was thrilled and I got to do all of the sections in the hotel so I I went into the hot kitchen doing banqueting and room service and then I went into the pastry at the hotel which was such a massive section at the time. I mean uh, that was that was afternoon tea but you know it's, there's a difference between making the little beautiful pastries as compared to the sandwiches that was far more exciting and I learned so much there and then eventually got got into the uh, I went from there into the pastry section of the Michelin star kitchen and then into the kitchen kitchen, and that was my end goal. That was like, this is where I wanna be.
0: Right, so were you clear that you wanted to, uh, I suppose, rather than maybe specialize in something like pastry, that you actually wanted to be in the kind of the, the melting pot of day-to-day service and delivering you know, fine, fine cooking through starters and mains as opposed to desserts, as it were?
1: I wanted to learn everything. So I was very happy to be in the pastry section, but I wanted to be be trained across all the sections because I think uh, I I could potentially get bored quite quickly. So having the the flexibility to move around and do everything helps with that rather than just staying on one section because pastry is amazing. But I think personally, I would get bored if I just stayed on the one section.
0: Yeah. Do you want to add just something clicked in my head around the fact that you were studying with a kind of view to maybe go into chemistry and actually cooking is chemistry right when you break it down into its individual components and why stuff reacts a certain way and why it tastes a certain way when you do that particular technique and and all of that so actually you are you've you know you've you've (laughs) held your early goal (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, in a way, I mean, I, I find it easier probably because I'm better at it than I ever was in chemistry. Yeah, but um, there's definitely there's definitely science in cooking, and it's it's I am able to understand it, which does help. I think well, when it comes to certain techniques.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're you're making progress at uh, the Linsborough. You're you still on an apprenticeship at this point, or are you now actually yeah. fully flit? No, okay, so you're still on an apprenticeship. So, so how did that progress from there?
1: So, I was in the Michelin star kitchen. I was on the garnish section. I was having an amazing time. I loved my head chef, my my team. It was they were just properly looked after me, and it was a amazing place to work. And then I went for dinner with my family at the and I knew uh, one of the sommeliers and so they were like do you want to work here and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> yes please because <laughs> you know my my like 19 year old brain was like two stars two yeah. stars absolutely yes please um, yeah
0: well and one of the biggest names in the business as well right
1: absolutely and I mean we, we ate there and it was incredible so I so I resigned and Honestly, it broke my heart. I loved working there so much, but um, it was an opportunity I just couldn't say no to. Um, so I, so I moved to a and I spent, I spent, I uh, started on the pastry section, which was, you know, it I mean, Claude Bussy is like the king of souffles now. He somehow made it his. <laughs> right.
0: Okay, uh, uh, and he's got to have to write a book now called "The King of Souffles." <laughs>
1: Well, it's just they've somehow made it their signature. I mean, right. it's always on the menu, and that as a chef is such an intimidating thing to to do. But I spent a lot of time doing it, so it was one of pretty those, comfortable with your souffles. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with a souffle now, a sweet souffle. <laughs> Savory is a whole different game.
0: All right, um, well, chemistry again. I suppose that the ingredients <laughs> react in different ways and.
1: Yeah, sugar is an amazing stabilizer. And that's why as soon as you take that out, it becomes so much more challenging.
0: Well, there we are. This is an educational podcast now as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I learned, I learned my whole pastry sort of career was fulfilled there. I felt like I learned, we made everything, puff pastry, bread, we did We did everything there. So um, it was really incredible. I think my my challenge there was that I then wanted to leave pastry because I spent a year on it and I wanted to but I wasn't able to in that restaurant right basically because they didn't have the staff to move me off the section I was well trained in it and they were like well we need to keep you there yeah yeah but I finished my apprenticeship there so I did two years in total right and um yeah it was incredible
0: I mean wow you like one Michelin star and then two Michelin stars start to your career in terms of, you know, the, the learning experience must have been off the charts.
1: It was definitely deep end because, I mean, whilst I learned so much and it was incredible, it was also very, very tough yeah. for, a, for a first sort of job. Yeah, lots and yeah. lots of challenges.
0: But tough tough is, I think, uh, it's a really, it's a good Uh, how to put this it's a good thing to get your head around quickly in your career because I think actually all of the golden stuff happens on the other side of tough right just in terms of the a lot of people will take a a moment that feels like it's tough and go I I can't do that I'm good and just not push through but actually if you do push through you know look at the skill set that you get through the the other side of that
1: I think if it's tough but you're still learning that's where that then it's a good kind of tough I think if it's tough and you're not learning that's when it's a yeah that's when it can become a problem but um yeah I was still learning so much there
0: yeah absolutely okay so you I suppose they weren't able to move you into new sections so you're uh, you're moving on at this point to, to broaden your horizons
1: yeah and also um you know I'm 20 maybe at this point I've got I've got I've been living with my mum I've been working pretty much full-time you know I know it's four days a week but those are 17 hour days so yeah I've got money saved up I I love traveling so um this is it felt like the time so I'm gonna leave this job and I'm gonna take take three months I had a trip planned with my family to India so um cancelled my flight home and booked a flight from india to thailand and i decided i was going to go traveling for three months and three months went by and that turned into nine
0: (laughs) well (laughs) yeah i I can't imagine why i mean it's it's you know it's it's a part of the world that really has you know no no food backgrounds you know there's, (laughs) there's nothing going on out there is there
1: yeah i mean I had planned such a tight itinerary for the three months. I was going to hit like seven countries and then I ended up spending an entire month in Thailand and then like not wanting to leave Vietnam. So it was just so easy and it was, it was cheap. You know, once you're there, it's very cheap to just continue, continue on. Um, Nothering around. Yeah. Just eating and meeting people and, it was just the most incredible experience and oh um, yeah i did it at the right time because i'm i'm ambitious so i my career is my focus but then it was it was so it was the right time for me to then take that time out yeah to focus on my other passion which is traveling
0: yeah yeah yeah. well i, I mean it's also it, it's such a an enriching experience isn't it just in terms of what it brings to you it's very difficult to put it into words what traveling and seeing different cultures and the way that people do things differently to what you're kind of brought up with yourself and then what that brings to you just I think it just brings certainly brought to me a real more level-headedness really around when you just see the world you know rather than what what that little piece of the world that's just in front of your eyes
1: yeah and you meet people who are so vastly different to you But because you're in the same situation, experiencing the same things, you somehow find some way to relate to them. And you you learn so much about other people from that. And uh, you also learn to be on your own. So I I went on my own, which has its own challenges. But it's also so incredibly freeing because you can be selfish. You can be completely selfish. Just think about yourself. And that's something that rarely happens in your life.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I, it's not uh, it's not a negative thing as well. I mean, the the idea of being selfish has negative connotations, right? But actually, every good thing that happens in your life happens because you look after yourself first. And and I don't mean that for the sake of other people, but actually, you've got to do what sings to you, what makes you happy. What, you know, all of these basic things, basic in word terms at least, but actually what they do for you, all the good stuff, all the really, really good stuff happens on the backside of you being selfish, looking after yourself, giving yourself what you need to flourish.
1: Definitely, and um, yeah, having that time to do that and just to worry about the one person is incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you went there obviously with travel in mind. I'm assuming that food was going to play a part here as well.
1: I, I travel for food. So it's the focus. And so if you ask me the my favorite countries that I visited, they were the ones that had the best food, in my opinion. And they're the places I spent the most time at. The other the other big passion I developed was scuba diving. I got right. my paddy licence when I was there. So that, that became that became a bit of a rival in the sense that I've always loved water and then Getting to breathe underwater for the first time was the most exciting thing. And then, yeah, I did like nearly 50 dives. Wow. In that trip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but definitely food focused. Every country I went to, I would do the research, find the best places, which were usually, you know, a hole in the wall sort of. I had to look it up and able to find it because otherwise it would be purely accidental.
0: Yeah, that, but that's the thing, isn't it? A, a, a lot of tourism, if you like, it's very easy to find restaurants. But is it is it where you really want to go and learn about the craft of the the cuisine of the country that you're in? And more often than not, it, it is the it's the little restaurant down a back street somewhere that you've, you know, that doesn't make it onto TripAdvisor or or whatever that actually is is giving you the heart and soul of what the country's cooking is all about or the the region of that country that you're in at that time because it's it's, there's obviously vast differences from one region to the next
1: yeah especially with places like thailand which is so intensely traveled by backpackers there are so many there are so many places that you can go but they're all you know designed for for tourists so that's where I would then do my research because I wanted to find the places. And I'm also not willing to, you know, just wander on my own round all the back alleys because that's not necessarily safe.
0: No, absolutely. So I, was,
1: <laughs> I felt much better just going on all the sort of food blogs and cross referencing, being being like, Okay, okay, here's it was hit cited here, cited here, cited here. It must it must have something that I should go there. Yeah. And it really works. I I ate the most amazing food. I would say so Thailand is one of the top places in Southeast Asia for food for me. Yeah. It's just so varied.
0: I couldn't um, agree with you yeah. more. Uh, my favorite region of the world. Uh, they're, they're in Japan, probably a little Japan.
1: bit. Japan. Yeah, absolutely. I did Japan but, a few years before, but in terms of budget, <laughs> it was far easier yeah. in Thailand to uh, to eat well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And what at this point in time, what do you think this experience of travel and and experiencing all of these different places is bringing to you as a chef? Because I suppose at this point, you're still very early in your your chef career. Have you have you identified your style yet or what really sings to you? Or do you think all of this is kind of speaking to that journey and helping kind of, I suppose, craft that out?
1: At the time I don't didn't don't think I realized it, but it was definitely crafting what my style would be. I didn't have one yet. I was learning classical techniques, which is so valuable. Yeah. And then when I went traveling, I learned what I love to eat because they're not necessarily the same things. What I find stimulating at work and what I just love to sit down and enjoy. Yeah. Are kind of different things so so it was definitely learning but it wasn't until later on that i really brought that in from traveling into into what i was learning at work
0: right yeah i hear you on that because um we had cherish finden on the show a long time ago obviously pastry chef extraordinaire and um i remember her saying to me which, which kind of dumbfounded me that her favorite thing to eat is beans on toast and you know <laughs> with a glass of rosé in front of the telly it's just one of her favorite things and so i you know I, I i get the point that actually what stimulates you at work versus what you actually you know what stimulates your 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 belly as it were can be very far removed
1: yeah definitely and i think i think that's where i i'm learning to be careful as a chef is that i want to obviously make food that is stimulating for me at work but i don't want to lose sight of the thing that i find delicious because then you're not cooking for the guests i think you're cooking for your creative ego rather than what's going to make people the most happy and so that's where i'm learning to find the balance between the
0: two brilliant okay so travel came to a close Nine months, six months longer than you had planned. Um, what uh, was there a moment where you were travelling where you thought, "Right, I've got to crack on with my career again now."
1: Yeah, I think so, and also uh, it is a long time to be away from home, and it's it is exhausting. And uh, I think it was when I went to Borneo, and uh, which is incredible but a lot less touristy um, and a lot more, I guess it's less backpackery. There's more sort of families and couples going on holiday. So that's where I started to feel, I guess, a bit lonely. And yeah, it felt like the right time. It had been nine months and my family were back in India. So I <laughs> flew back to India to meet them there right, and spend time with them and then then came home. And yeah, it just it was a natural closure.
0: Yeah. So arrival back in the UK, back to London, I assume?
1: Back to London. Um, I definitely took Christmas to enjoy in England because it, had been, it was so close. I didn't want to throw myself straight away into a into work at Christmas time. So I took that time off as well, which was great. And then I applied, then I had two restaurants in mind, two very different restaurants. As a female, I was... Obsessed with working at by Klesner,
0: right? I, I, I and f- then can understand why.
1: <laughs> and then my, so I thought, okay, so that's where I'm going to apply. And if that doesn't work out, my other obsession was Phil Howard. So Ellison Street is where my brain went, right? Um, so I was like, well, let's go to the two star first because, um, you know, that's that's still how my brain worked. I wanted to go for the the top two Michelin star restaurant. Now yeah. three and i I got a job um, as I've learned it's actually not that difficult to get the job. It's much harder to keep the job
0: right okay this this um, sounds like this is the voice of experience here
1: <laughs> and that was that was the toughest job i've ever had
0: right okay was it was it tough because you were I don't know, out of your depth or uh, it was just too much to learn or or what, why was it a, 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 a problem place at that time?
1: I think for me, it was that I wasn't necessarily passionate about the job that I was doing. Right. So I was on the, I was on the staff section and there was a lot of things to do with flowers and herbs and foraging and, and I spent a year doing it and I felt, not able to progress past that part, which didn't, which wasn't exciting to me. Yeah, and it was also combined with COVID.
0: oh uh, okay, right. Because we we're the, into twenty nineteen. Right. Okay. Got it. yeah. I suppose yeah. So twenty nineteen was, it was beginning to rear its head towards the back end of twenty nineteen, wasn't it? Um. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of, I understand. You've got to be, you've got to be engaged with what you're doing, right? And uh, got, uh, and if if you're not immediately engaged with what you're doing you've got to be able to see a path to get to the place that gets you engaged and if you can't see those things then it's it's not the right time to be there
1: yeah and i thought okay i could i could stick out the 2 years but do i see my feelings changing after those 2 years probably probably not mm. so do i just call it and go and work at the other place that i had in mind and at this point i'm thinking i was learning that okay Michelin is amazing, but is it what I am truly passionate about? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I just want to cook really tasty, impactful food that is in the style of fine dining that makes people happy. I've not necessarily, I was falling out of love with like the whole concept of Michelin, to be honest. Yeah. Whilst it's an amazing achievement for anyone. It wasn't. It was. I was starting to learn that maybe I don't need to chase them.
0: Yeah, but I think that's the the that's probably the golden moment that you might look back on in your career in ten years' time and go, do you know that that realization? Because I think if you speak to a lot of chefs who happen to have a Michelin star, they never set out to do that. I mean, yes, of course, there are some restaurants like uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Claire Smith is shooting for three Michelin stars you know, having had them and maintained them so long at, at Royal Hospital Road and then to have her own name above the door, you know, that would have been a goal for Absolutely. sure. But, you know, the vast majority of chefs who are just really passionate about what they do, I think, and I might be wrong, but I think that they they just do what they love to do. And if the accolade comes, then great. But it's not, it's not about pursuing the accolade. It's just about doing, as you said, it's about creating food that's incredibly delicious that makes people happy that you know l- gets people leaving your space feeling like they want to tell the world that they've just you know had the most amazing meal ever and if a michelin star comes with that great but if not it's not the end of the world
1: and i think that frame of mind is becoming increasingly popular sort of with chefs i think more and more chefs are sort of not not so much focus on on the star and just creating food and that's why you have a Boom in the more sort of casual style dining with really really tasty food and that's definitely that was something that I learned about myself from working there yeah um, so I went to Phil Howard because you know he had the square
0: I mean he's you know he's not a terrible chef
1: <laughs> uh, he's, he's he's my favorite book uh the square was, yeah, was my bible
0: I've, I've got that too it's uh, it's a cracker
1: yeah, um, do you know as well when I, when he
0: um, when he brought that book out? I think the whole world at the time had been asking, "Come on, Phil, please, <laughs> please do a book." And uh, God, it didn't didn't disappoint.
1: No, not at all. I still I use it to this day. I mean, it's just an absolute. It's my reference book for anything. So, so yeah, I went. I did a stage at Ellison Street first. This is again COVIDy time. So. I was planning on doing like a full sort of month stage, but it got cut at like four days because we went into another lockdown. Um, And then uh, sort of coming out of that lockdown, I saw advertisements for hiring chefs across all three of his restaurants. And I was like, well, I mean, I wanted to give it longer because I wanted to make sure it was the right environment for me and all this other stuff. But again, the opportunity was there and I couldn't help myself.
0: A very quick word, if you'll permit me, Providing great customer service is all about having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where our sponsor RotaCloud, can help. RotaCloud makes managing your team's rotas, attendance and annual leave easy. With its simple drag and drop planner, you'll be creating rotas for your team in minutes. While its built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rota out. One RotaCloud customer actually reported that they'd gone from spending 25% on their monthly turnover on wages... To spending just nineteen percent, all thanks to RotaCloud's intuitive rota planning software. So do your business a favor and head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to start your 30-day free trial and find out how much easier organizing your team can be. Now let's get back to it.
1: So I applied, did my trial shift, which was again it's sort of in COVID, so we were really just sort of reorganizing the dry store. Well, more than that more was like, your, that there was, were no <laughs> guests. There were no guests.
0: That was your your trial shift. Can you can you take <laughs> yeah. can you take that ingredient and just put it over there?
1: It was just chatting basically with the sous chefs and the head chefs across the restaurants. Right. And while we did that, we just sort of organized a little bit.
0: I tell you what, though, there's a lot to be said for actually, you know, just chewing the fat with the people that you're going to work with to see if you can actually work with them
1: absolutely I think that's why they didn't really need to see me cook and it wasn't just me by the way there was like eight of us on a trial shift right and they were doing like a little bit of takeaway boxes and I was so surprised because my actual interview was with Phil himself I was like oh, okay this isn't you know when I applied for uh, when I got the job at Vendham I didn't have an interview with Claude like like right. I was quite surprised to have and, um, and I, I was so intent on getting a job i made um little chocolates at home and i brought them in as a little like here you go this is this is the kind of thing that i, I do <laughs> please <a pet>. enjoy <laughs> literally yeah um and then they did offer me a job but at kitchen w8 yeah which is again a michelin sale yeah. restaurant absolutely fantastic but like a lot of people we seem to not know about it you know everyone knows ellison street yeah And um, so I was like, okay, great. Definitely I'll take it. But I was sort of, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Exactly. Like (laughs) Mark Kempson, Okay. But I I joined and it was, it's the best place I've worked. I mean, one Michelin star had it for 13 years and Mark Kempson, the head chef, just a brilliant teacher. And I told him, I was like, chef. If you put me on the pastry section before I've done the other ones, I will leave.
0: Well, set it stall out for sure.
1: <laughs> so, just so you know, and it worked. <laughs> he he moved me. He's, I, I did the classic route, sort of on starter and then fish and then meat, all within a year. And not because he was rushing me, because I, I don't know, I was comfortable there and was able to absorb so much from that restaurant. Yeah. Um. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's such a—I mean, it's a, a proper neighborhood restaurant, isn't it? Really, I mean, like you know, yes, it's it's a destination, but as you say, probably fallen off the radar a little bit in terms of the the global knowledge of this wonderful little neighborhood restaurant that exists in W eight in London, but obviously is serving that neighborhood extremely well because it's been there for so long. It's um, yeah. and I've I've actually I've actually eaten there as well because um, it was actually when I came to London a long long time ago now, but um, it took me years and years and years to understand where and what was in places, and the minute I saw that Phil Howard was behind that place, it was like, well, I have to go and try that out then. Yeah, just a a, a wonderful kind of relaxed fine dining experience that was probably the best way I could have summed it up when I I ate there it was very friendly it was very you know there was no pretentiousness it was just it was just a lovely place to go have a really cracking meal and we went when they were doing uh, a truffle season special meal as well truffle tasting menu <laughs> oh my god
1: yeah <laughs> we still do that or oh, they still do that yeah um, cracking yeah. place yeah Um, completely obsessed with seasonality so there'll be a game menu there'll be a truffle menu there'll be a spring uh menu um and that's why i loved working there because there was so much flexibility in the menu you know if like we got suddenly a delivery of really beautiful white asparagus it's on the menu that day because why wouldn't we yeah why wouldn't we take advantage and they they could they uh, he uh, mark was flexible enough and had so much knowledge that he could just whip on a really cracking dish just because something has been particularly beautiful that day.
0: Right, yeah, working Um, with proper crafts people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and then just a really lovely family restaurant. When I say family, I mean the staff and it sounds really cliche and cheesy, but it's true. Yeah, and Mark Empson really just looked after her so well and taught so he he loves teaching. So that works for every chef, I think, who's wanting to learn.
0: Yeah, totally. And well, I mean, there's the uh, there's obviously there's so much gets written about, you know, how kitchens can be terrible places to work and blah 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 and all that. But actually, you know, when you get somebody like that who is intent on mentoring really and and developing people you know but then developing them into a a place whereby they've you know you're delivering exceptional food day in day out you know the kitchens can be the most amazing places to be in and I think we, we need to talk more about that because there are yes of course there are people who do things badly but there are in any walk of life right I mean in any sector in any part of the world there's always those who do things well and those who don't We don't talk enough about the people who do things well in kitchens because there's, I mean, there's, there's many of them. So let's, yeah, here's the, this is a shout out to all the people who are doing stuff well in kitchens. Let's start shouting about it more. Uh, I agree.
1: I I agree. If we shout about the places that are doing really well, people will realize the places that aren't being mentioned. Right. Yeah. And it's better to do it that way because it's focusing on the positivity rather than something negative. Absolutely. So, yeah, we should continue to shout about the good places.
0: Yeah, well, that's, well this is it. We're starting right now. Today. <laughs> Kitchen W8, you Perfect. rock. <laughs> um, so you were, you were obviously there. What level were you at at this point in terms of what was your, your official job title?
1: Chef de partie. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, he likes to hire people at that level because even if they're not quite there yet, they're going to be running it's a small restaurant they're going to be running a section so if you're you're going to be made into a chef to party because that's what they needed yeah so yeah i was C D P and that's what i was when i decided to join MasterChef.
0: well that's a nice little segue um <laughs> so yeah how did that come about were you encouraged to do so or was it one of these things where you just had it in you the way you thought do you know what i i because you've said you're ambitious right and I mean this is one of the probably toughest cooking competitions in the world it's also one of the greatest things to watch on television uh, as somebody who's a foodie but um yeah was it did it come from you or, were you, or did somebody push you
1: so it was definitely a family okay um, they they had been specifically my mum had been sort of Trying to get me to do it for years and years and years, and I knew I wasn't ready. Yeah, and then I got to a point in W8 that I was still learning, but I was comfortable. I'd done all the sections, and I wasn't ready to leave because I was still learning, but you know, I wasn't dreading going to work every day, and I wasn't scared that I wasn't going to get things done. I knew I was going to get my jobs done so. I think you know as soon as you become comfortable you're in a bit the danger zone where you can become a bit complacent so yeah I decided it was the right time time to do it and there was a little bit of a trigger in that the restaurant just gets an email saying do you have any chefs that would like to apply for master chef and I was like oh well I guess like yeah. it's, a it's some kind it's a of side. sign yeah <laughs> so i really honestly i applied 10 p.m before the deadline because i was so on the fence about it still right i had the application ready for weeks and then i press submit 10 p.m before the deadline and um i got a call the next day
0: wow god don't hang around (laughs)
1: literally she was like hi this is blah blah from shine tv and i was like i was in the kitchen like oh okay hang on (laughs) 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 Go outside, and I as soon as I told my chef, he was so encouraging. He was definitely trying to manage my expectations a little bit because, as anyone who cares about the world, would do. Yeah, um, but also, you know, completely encouraging. He's like, I'm very excited about it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Joe, you know, it's it's great. I mean, it's great exposure for you, but it's great exposure for them too because you're you're a, a, at that point you're. I suppose, a product of their development as it mm-hmm. were as well, notwithstanding all of the other stuff that you've done to this point, of course. But yeah, so it's, this is one of the joys of this competition for me as well, is that this at this point in time, you're a CDP. You know, equally, you could be up against 12 head chefs. You know, um, it doesn't, the, the competition doesn't discriminate against level. Exactly. It's about finding super talent basically, and that can exist within somebody at any stage of their career.
1: Yeah, like Great British Spain is amazing, but you can't apply for it really as a, as a junior level chef. It's not, I think you sort of would be out of your depth because everyone there are almost chef owners. Yeah. They have Michelin stars, like uh, Chef felt a lot more accessible. And so, yeah, I applied, I got through, and
0: so what then happens like, oh, you, you, you do an application you have to do a i assume you have to do a, a cook-off and probably an interview or something everyone like that.
1: thinks this everyone thinks this and um, there was an interview there was sort of screen like test. but the first time you cook is the skills test really the first time God, you cook so- the first time you meet the judges everything it's so real that's why everyone's like why do they look so surprised when they walk in because we are because it's like <laughs> It's quite overwhelming when you walk into that room for the first time. It's literally the first time you've seen the judges. and
0: Oh, my God, Marcus Waring. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't know who you're going to get. It's usually one of them, the other's mm. in the back. So you're like, oh.
0: Yeah, um, indeed. Well, and then, of course, your you know, blind tests. You don't, you, you know, could be something that you have absolutely zero knowledge in.
1: Yes. One of the most intimidating rounds because you don't know the kitchen. You don't know what you're going to get um there's a little bit like when you think about it logically you know that you're not going to go out based on this round but that doesn't somehow doesn't make it easier no you you know you know in your brain like you should just relax because it doesn't necessarily it's not the end the all and end all but still you're just so overwhelmed by everything they give you a little rundown as soon as you walk in like here are the balls here are the knives here are the things like in one ear out the other like yeah. i started i'm like where, where are the balls yeah.
0: what's this big metal thing with a stick oh it's a pan <laughs> right yeah
1: yeah um and you see it you see chefs absolutely crumble and yeah. i understand why it's really just a whole different you're a fish out of water it's something else
0: yeah 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 so and well and fast forward a little bit through the competition was there a point in the competition where you obviously kept advancing was there a point where you started to think, I'm in with a shout here, I or was it always, do you always kind of stay humble to the moment that at any point in time you could have a, a test, uh, a creativity test or whatever that actually just, where you just have a meltdown, you know, because it can happen, right, to anyone.
1: Um, yeah, so so my goal when I entered was, I wanted to cook for the critics and get through so that I know that they liked it. right essentially I wanted to cook for the critics and for them to love it um and so after that round I think I relaxed a little bit with myself because I hadn't made a fool of myself I had just relaxed a little bit um but the fire doesn't go it then just it keeps on going to the next round and then the next round um it wasn't until maybe final four that I was like okay I really want to win now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think i think as soon as you go through a round it's like on to the next one and that's where I, the, I knew i was competitive but that really brought it out on me. and also once i got to a point a point my chef and my family stopped managing my expectations and they were like just go win this thing like yeah. <laughs> just do it you're here now <laughs> like come on you made it this far yeah,
0: yeah. exactly uh- yeah, that's it's that's hilarious though. But I, I suppose that you know that that's the protection mechanism, isn't it, to make sure that you're not getting carried away, that you're not believing your own press, that you're staying true to yourself and humble and just being who you are and going out and doing your best every time and not ever thinking that you know you're you're it, you're the one. Um, yeah. But I mean, the the finals week is a, a hell of an experience to watch, let alone to experience. So yeah, talk us through that that finals week because I'm guessing there was the moment where they sh- call your name and you're through to finals week, where you you kind of just go, "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> but I think I had that feeling for every every single time I was called through.
0: Really, right. you had
1: the same feeling, and you learn you learn about the, the the quirks that you do from watching yourself on TV. It's a little bit um, grating to see, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs>
0: It's the same the first time you hear um, your voice on a podcast, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might not listen, not listen to it all of it.
1: Um, I put my hands on my face every time like something good happens. Apparently, I just right. had no idea, but the feeling was just incredible. And I think it's finals week. Is the first time they like bring you a glass of champagne to celebrate. Yeah. And um, but at the same time, um, by the time we got to that point, final ten, we started to know each other so well. Yeah. So it was heartbreaking, genuinely. Um, And watching it back especially was heartbreaking because it's really all about the day. Everyone is as talented as each other um, in that final ten. It just comes down to the the day and what happens. And for some people, it just, you know, something went so horribly wrong. But had they executed that dish perfectly, it would have been a no-brainer. They would have been through. So it's amazing, but it is sort of like, first time it happens you're like yay and then immediately you hear who's who's not going through and then your heart breaks
0: yeah 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 and that comes across actually in in watching the show is that that you it i think it also highlights the the beauty of hospitality because i think even though you're you're in a role for all intents and purposes which is kind of behind the scenes and the public never get to see there's still an awful lot of people people in kitchens and you know and so when you get a, a moment whereby you you can't help but build bonds because you're going through the same experience together, you know the, we're
1: the only people that understand what we're going through. Yeah, it's such and, a tight knit group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I can I can totally imagine how it's it's like this double edged sword of you know yes I'm through and then oh God they've gone I, I love them uh, I yeah. love their food. Um, and, um, yeah, of course you want to win, but you, you obviously, I think everybody at that point just wants to see everybody do well, but also it's a mark of yourself, right? I mean, you, you want to produce your best against the best of other people as well. And when you come out on top in that environment and consistency is a massive part of being your best right as well. And that's ultimately what wins in the end is, is being strong and consistent rather than just being strong occasionally. Yeah, and that's just from a consumer's perspective. Watching the show, that's that's my view. Uh, I don't that's I don't profess to be the. the that's front how of our I knowledge. feel
1: that the, the the way I I feel that I won is that I practiced every single thing countless times. There was not a round I went into unpracticed or not knowing what I was doing. Everything was practiced to the point that I was, you know, eight minutes under the time limit. So that allows for the talk time um right.
0: very good shit yeah. yeah we all actually we I, watch I, the, the show and every time like Greg will come over or whatever and start talking to you about your food and you we my wife and I will look at each other and go will you shut up and just let them get on with it
1: <laughs> genuinely and you've learned that you learn that you should just stop what you're doing and talk to them because it will make it go quicker yeah if you try to continue working then like the whole thing just takes a lot longer, right? So you learn you learn little things like that, but um, I, I definitely had to take it into account when I was practicing because you know you have an hour and thirty minutes, but really you have an hour and twenty minutes because there is going to be that talk time.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, good lessons for any future potential Master Chef uh, <laughs> contestants. There,
1: they tell they tell you that. Oh, um, okay, right. You know, to take it into consideration. Yeah, finals was once you get there though. In a sense, you're content. Because, you know, you, you've done so well. Anyone who gets to that stage has done so well, but the fire doesn't the fire doesn't go.
0: Mm. Well it probably only gets stronger, doesn't it? Because you're so yeah. close now.
1: It's so close. Yeah, absolutely. And then the rounds become really rewarding, like the chef's table. Everyone wants to do that. When I yeah. watched that when I used to watch a show and I'd see chefs cooking for the chef's table and I thought, that's that must just
0: be the most incredible pinnacle. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just like a who's who, isn't it, of British cuisine?
1: You don't know where to look.
0: No, you know, <laughs> or been
1: thrown into this room, you know. and then <laughs> like, somebody, you know, the faces, yeah, like somebody.
0: You. will, uh, I love how they put their hand up and they'll 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 say like uh, Daniel Clifford's, uh Midsummer House, like nobody knows. You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah um no wonderful and then yeah got obviously down to the 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 final day the final cook and you won so yeah t- describe the feeling in that moment i mean can you even describe it it's um because you are going back however m- many months beforehand to be swithering on whether to put your application in or not and leaving it till the very last minute like i mean just imagine if you hadn't
1: <laughs> i know I mean, I can't describe it because it was just, it was like, okay, I I can't have done more, but this is it. This is, I couldn't believe it was over because it had been like three months of my life. And then they handed me this big metal M and I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) now what? (laughs) Um, Now I guess I keep it secret for like four months.
0: Um, oh, is that the lag? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, I, I suppose that must be a nightmare because you just want to tell everyone, I guess as well.
1: it's also was really fun, like pretending that like, oh, next episode's really really gonna be tough for me, <laughs> Right. but knowing that and um, they're all gonna be watching, like nail biting, and um, but in the end, it's all gonna be great. Um, yeah. and I mean, it didn't also doesn't feel real for for the next few months because you can't you can't tell anyone no one knows yeah. um you don't have the trophy they, they send it to you when it airs because you know you could you could ruin it for everyone but um yeah i can't can't describe the. Field. i still can't i it it is you definitely i definitely get like imposter syndrome like how how does this how is this mine i i yeah still get it
0: yeah bless yeah well i, 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 I... Huge congratulations! It was a hell of a journey. Um, it, I mean, it always is, but it's it's always you you as a viewer you bond with the people that you're watching, even though you don't know them at all. And there's still this moment whereby the person who you want to win, when they win, you kind of it's like celebrating your football team to score the goal. <laughs> you know? It's like you I, I, I'm up and uh, standing up and you know punch in the air it's, it was just a real joy to watch you kind of evolve and progress as well and uh and now i suppose on, on the back of the show your life must have just gone a little bit nuts
1: yeah so i i mean after after the sort of filming i was in line sort of for a promotion anyway it actually probably got postponed because of chef and i wasn't able to be at work but um i got promoted to junior C chef but having said that you know, I knew that come December, my world was going to change quite dramatically. And as much as I love the restaurant, I wanted to start to serve people food that I, not just cooked, but dishes that are mine. Yeah. Um. So so in July, I said, you know, come New Year, I think, I think I have to finish, which broke my heart. But it's his own fault because he's a really good teacher so that's
0: what i told him <laughs> that's a wonderful <laughs> message
1: <laughs> you want, you want to stay, like...
0: yeah no but i'm sure i'm sure he uh you leave with his blessing you like because you know you're you're a product of his teachings basically and yeah. you know that must make him very happy i think i think
1: um, so yeah definitely yeah um i'll get him on the show yeah, and we since... can
0: talk about that and see what he says
1: <laughs> um Yeah, since then I've just been doing events and pop-ups, which is it's amazing because I've never okay I served food on MasterChef and that was the first time I sat down and actually created dishes. You know, I'd cook at home and experiment, but it was the first time I I didn't I had maybe four dishes when I applied, and by the time you finish, you have like eighteen dishes that mm-hmm. you that have to be MasterChef worthy. They're not just sort of any dish they're dishes that you become really proud of yeah and so then serving it up for the to the public for the first time because we have different palates you know chefs in the public and so you sort of have to it was it was really nerve-wracking that first time because what if what if i don't know i yeah. think i still didn't quite believe that everyone else would also like it but since then, I've been doing doing a lot of them and it's it's the most rewarding thing. And it's why I'm a chef. It's because I like to watch people enjoy eating my food. Um, I think that's a lot of chefs.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's, sometimes we overthink why people do stuff, right? But actually, the, usually it's the simplest reasons as to why something makes you tick. And there's absolutely what better way to become a chef than actually just take joy in watching people enjoy what you produce for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and a lot of them are sort of open kitchens and because of MasterChef, they want to, you know, talk. I have to go and sort of talk to people, but it's really rewarding and lovely listening to people. People who sort of think that they know me <laughs> from yeah. from watching the journey and they get really excited if I do a dish from, from MasterChef. And that's just, yeah, it's just some, something so... So rewarding that I've yeah. never experienced
0: before. That's it's the great thing, actually, of one of the great things of that show is that you, we, you and I, did a, a little cheeky event together at um, HRC uh, a couple of months ago, and um when you arrived into the chef HQ area that we were were in, it did feel like I knew you, you know, even though we've never <laughs> met before in in our lives, and and that is the um one of the joys of it is that it it really does give people a window into you as a human as well as who you are as a chef and then um, and that comes across really well on screen I think and certainly you absolutely aced that demo that we did that I say we demo you did that, um, <laughs> that I was just happened to be comparing but yeah and that was your first experience of doing a a, a demo as well as I recall.
1: I think um, I did two that weekend and they were my first two ever right <laughs> so it's yeah. quite a uh... Throw it thrown into the defense because that's another skill that I'm still learning, um, and so it was very helpful to have you as my um, compare.
0: Bless, well, helped me along. I'd never done it before either, so. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> oh, you didn't I, tell me that at
0: the time. No, and well, you know, there's enough enough nerves going through the, the body, isn't there? At the time when you're you've got to get up in front of people and, and cook uh, to to your heart's uh, your best ability. I ended up getting, having to jump on the pans with uh, Tom Phillips of Restaurant Story because we were gassing too much um, and uh, we <laughs> ran out of time. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a really great experience, that, that event. And it was absolutely wonderful to have you there as well. And um, you were doing that in collaboration with uh, Scottish Seafood or Norwegian Seafood, it was.
1: Norwegian Seafood, yeah. Yes. So um, they invited me on a trip to Norway uh, along with Michelle Rui um, Jr. And a lot of the chefs from, young national chef of the year are winners right um so that that was a, just a really cool trip and they were just promoting norwegian seafood which is really beautiful um and they have so much of it so we should definitely be using it yeah and we it's got to just, go fishing it's we went on snowmobiles
0: <laughs> it's not that far away oh. is it really
1: it was just it was a very cool experience and getting to hang out with all of the chefs was just a really good time
0: yeah Fantastic, and you know a wonderful byproduct of the the competition as well, right? In terms of just all these other extra little experiences that you get that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily get the opportunity to do something like that.
1: Definitely being able to yeah go, go on trips and also like the demos that's such a such an interesting experience and you learn a lot from from talking to the people there, like meeting people like yourself. All of these things you learn different skills and it's something that I've never never would have done otherwise
0: fantastic what's next I mean you're you're, I suppose you're as you say you're you're got your head in a few different things at the moment um and just kind of I suppose riding this wonderful positive wave that that you're on at the moment with um with regards to your cooking and getting your cooking out into the world and letting people see it
1: yeah definitely so this year I'm really enjoying the opportunities sort of being thrown at me so Events, a few private dinners, food festivals, all of that sort of stuff. I love, I did a longer residency just for a week um, at Grace and Save and that was amazing because I was able to sort of, it wasn't just a day I was able to sort of get, dig my feet in and really, uh, really make the most of that. Um, And then I think in the, probably in the new year, I'll look into settling somewhere a little bit more permanent. My goal is to have a restaurant, so so everything I do is going to be in, in aid of that.
0: Got you. So, if there's any investors listening out there, <laughs> get in contact. Um, no, that's great. There's a couple of questions I just want to ask quickly before I let you get on with your day down in lovely Cornwall. Really centered around I mean, this is a podcast that, that really cares deeply about hospitality, and I, I can't speak highly enough of the industry. What three reasons would you give to somebody as to why they should come and join hospitality?
1: I think if you love people, if you love interacting with people, you get, you get so many rewarding interactions with people from working in this industry. You learn a lot about hard work, but in a really positive way, because there's always a reward with, which comes with that hard work. And then I think the people in the industry that you meet, you've really become such a tight knit family um, and build such great relationships with them. And that's that's just a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Uh, final question, which is very simply, if people want to learn more about you, if they're unfamiliar with somehow who you are from uh, everything <laughs> that's gone on in the last few months, um, where should people look out for you?
1: So definitely my social, so Instagram, and then I have a website, um, checknikita.com, and all of my events and the, the things that I'm doing go up on there. So if you want to come and eat my food, um, there'll definitely be something on there where you can go.
0: Fantastic. Nikita, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's been a real delight to to meet you this year and get to know you a little bit better. And uh, your journey is really, really interesting. In many ways, I suppose it really starts now. And so I can't wait to see what you get up to going forward. Uh, and wish you all the very best with the the next phase whatever that looks like
1: thank you so much it's been a pleasure talking to you
0: fantastic take care bye bye and there we have it it was fab to get some time with nikita and i think she demonstrates what is possible when you have ambition and passion i for one cannot wait to see what she gets up to next we'll be back as usual at 8 p.m next wednesday for another story from hospitality so until then thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week